Hi, so, Chad yeah. Elliott. <laughs> Started recording. Good. Yes, I yes. fumbled my way that first few minutes. So. <laughs> Not at all. Um, what do you advise songwriters in terms of the business of what you do? It's got to be a struggle, I would imagine. Um, it, it, it is, especially at first when you're trying to feel your way out. Um, when I started, I did, there wasn't the internet to as fully there yet. I had an email account, but uh, nothing was really there. So, but I think that the best advice I can give anyone starting out, um, outside of the the social media stuff, that's a whole different ballgame. But as far as a person trying to be a creative, make a living, it's to become um, diverse in the income streams and to, to really not shut a door on different aspects. There's some musicians I know that won't ever do like school workshops or go into work with kids. Um, they're, they think, well, that's a different thing altogether, but it really um, is vital. I think in creating a creative uh, future for these kids and to show working examples of working musicians or artists. And um, I'd say, Wear many hats if you can, if that's um, there. I think during the pandemic, we learned a lot about that. Actually, a lot of artists that got out of their comfort zone because they needed to make a living. You saw a lot of musicians becoming visual artists or they started to do pod, uh, do uh, blogging and trying to get more multiple streams of income. And uh, I feel like I've always been doing that just because I've, never been able to turn off the faucet and just be like, I, I want to remain in that flow. So I was always putting on different hats and I was lucky that way during the pandemic, I just kind of pivoted to paint. And uh, I think it's important um, to think of it as, as a, not just the music world, but just the creative world that we're kind of in. So. I'm going to chat with you a little bit more, but I also want those of you on the call to ask questions or make a comment. I'd love to have your participation in this uh, opportunity to talk to Chad Elliott, who is probably one of the best known Iowa artists. And I would imagine that your scope goes well beyond Iowa and well beyond the Midwest. Is that one of the benefits of, of say, Apple Music and Spotify and all of that? Do you have a broader audience beyond the Midwest? I yeah, I have pockets of around the country of different places. And a lot of it um, through touring, I think, mostly um, going around for all these years. I've built up friendships and uh, little fan bases in different places in the country. And uh, now, now with the art, I think it's also helping. Um, but yeah, the, the Spotify and the um, radio, I, I still go with the radio programming and stuff like that. Anytime I put out an album, I hire a publicist and they go to different radio stations throughout the country and they play my music on public radio and wherever I can, really. <laughs> All right, we have Tim Wagner with a question. We'll go with Tim first. Go ahead. Hi, Tim. Well, yeah, I don't really have a question, just an uh, observation. Um, we were very lucky here last Saturday night up here in Decorah because Chad <laughs> played, a, played a nice gig at uh, Pulpit Rock Brewery with his friend Catherine Seferin Fox. 
think I pronounced her name correctly. Yep, that's right. And, um, Catherine plays in an amazing array of string instruments that he and or she and Chad just their music just meshed so well. And <laughs> and and I made a comment to Chad after the show, and I heard several people confirm this. I mean, we have a pretty happening little music scene up here in Decorah. But this particular performance was just one of sheer magic for a lot of people in the audience. They, these two really connected and played off each other so well. And it was just, I mean, they had the full attention of the whole crowd in the place that night. It was really yeah. astounding. So thank you, Chad. Happy thank to be with you today. So yeah, I I echo everything uh, anybody else is going to say about your your uh, your credo as a uh, as an amazing artist. So thank you. I uh, appreciate the kind words, Tim. Thank you. It's good to see you there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Chad, how many venues are there like that in the state? Where it, where what Tim's talking about in Decorah? Are there many opportunities for you to play mm -hmm. in, a, in an environment like that? Yeah, it, it, and they're always in flux. Um, but yeah, there's there's definitely a good number now. When I, I especially listening to as songwriters um and i think the songwriter scene has really grown in iowa it's always been there but there's been this this upper echelon of songwriters like my favorites like greg brown and and dave moore and like susan werner and uh, some amazing iowa artists um but i i've i know now that there's just there's a whole array of different venues that if you can't draw a huge crowd you can still get a small little crowd together in a environment and um i play i could play only in iowa and make a decent living just keep playing iowa i try and branch out just so i can get more listeners and um i love to travel so but yeah Iowa's a rich state and i've had lots of friends around the country that are going where do you even play in iowa and i realized that a lot of that is just built in the, the iowa scene and it's harder to tap in as an outside artist to get in. But once you're in, it just spreads. There's like amazing um, little hidden treasures of venues. And, and Decor is chock full of a few there. It's, it's, it's a great area up there in the northeast and eastern Iowa. But even in western Iowa and northwest Iowa, there's these little gems that I lean on. <laughs> Byron's yeah, right. and yeah, Byron's and Pomeroy, my favorite little bar that I've ever. It's like this magical space in in the musical universe, and people have coming through Iowa. They always play there. So. Our buddy Art Collin has been talking about it for for a long time. I keep thinking Pomeroy, Iowa. Now, how do they get people to come from all over <laughs> to Pomeroy? But they, in, in fact, they do. So. Yeah. Terry Slindy, Bryce Oakley, then Dan Henderson. Go ahead, Terry. Yeah. Um, Chad, I am, uh, my grandmother was a Farkasson and my grandfather was a Buchanan. Uh, a great-grandfather, I should say. Great-grandmother was a Farkasson. Uh, I see you're having a trip going to Scotland. What is your connection to Scotland? And tell us more about the trip. Oh, yeah. Um, Scotland tours. It's basically a Scotland folk tour. And um, they're they hire musicians to come over there and bring people with them. And they you go on this um, 10 day tour. Uh, mine in particular is of the borderlands. And so you can kind of go get a historical tour. Um, there's several. 
musicians that are friends of mine that um, they go over there and they bring their crowd and fan base. Sometimes it's family and uh, you just go over there. And I've been wanting to for years to be a part of this thing. And luckily this last summer, I got asked to be one of the artists on the roster to kind of bring fans. And I'm hoping I can fill my tour. Um, it's in mine in particular is in, I should grab my fly. July. It's in July. <laughs> it's in July. July. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I do. It's in July. I can't remember the exact dates, but it's mid July, right? Uh, right after the 4th of July, I think. And right. uh, yeah, so it'll be, 10 days um, we're going to do, they tire you with other music, folk musicians in Scotland. And um, we do a kind of a historical, we'll go to castles and we'll um, be led by local guides. And maybe, yeah, maybe what I'll do is maybe what I'll do is wear my kilt to Pomeroy sometime. <laughs> Please do. Yeah. <laughs> you let me know. I'll get my own kilt. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Thanks, Terry. Bryce. <laughs> Before I before I ask my question, uh, Chad, uh, every time I meet someone who has a close association with Graceland, I ask if they know uh, Cal French. Uh, Cal French uh, has been, been a big supporter of, of Graceland, one of my best friends in Rotary uh, in Washington, D.C., and a very wow. special uh, family. Uh, but my question, uh, and I don't know if you, you are familiar with that, but I'll ask my question uh, you are skilled at wearing a lot of different hats in disciplines in which you are acknowledged to excel. So how do you decide as a matter of time allocation to go from one discipline to the other? Because I've asked other artists that and they kind of think about that a little bit. Can okay. you tell us how you do that and move from one to the other and decide which is the one you want to work on now? Oh, absolutely. Great question. Yes. And I have heard of Cal French, but I, I'm not sure. I, I, the name's familiar for sure. Um, but as far as the the practices and which hat I'll throw on um, during the day, it's it's um, I've found that over the years I am more productive or um, can tap into the flow of creativity more in certain seasons for different things. And I found really as a young man trying to navigate, that was really difficult and trying to decide and I'd get it off and I'd be, I'd be feeling off. Like I, I'm kind of blocked and I realized that it was probably because I should have switched over to something else. And now it's just this natural flow of like, I understand where my, where inspiration is going to hit best. Um, sometimes it's seasonal. Um, I know in summer, I don't expect to write a lot. I don't expect to create a lot of art because I am performing and that's a whole different creative outlet for me. So I use that performances in the summer, fall, I get really inspired to write and even make art, but writing is juicy in the fall. And then winter time, I do a lot of art because um, I can conquer down inside and not be on the road as much. Spring, I start writing again and um, a lot of art as well. So I find that it's not always that way. I paint all year round. I write all year round. But the best seasons are kind of kind of allocated now. And I have this big space now that I can kind of have it all under one roof. That helps me, too. So on your website, it says the studio isn't open. Is it open now? 
I am, I've got the doors locked. So on my zoom call, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but it, people could come to your studio now, correct? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's open. And whenever I'm around, it's not like your typical brick and mortar nine to five thing. Um, whenever I'm around, I'll put the open sign out, unlock the doors and turn on the lights. So when people are walking by, they can stop in and have a conversation. And I'm usually painting or, or, um, sitting here playing on a guitar <laughs> so jefferson iowa it's not exactly known as the mecca of you know a easy place to get to if you're looking for art how did you how did you pick that how how's it working i love it um it's working beautifully actually um when we first found the building I, we were looking in somewhere in this area also we have a uh, family in des moines perry and coon rapids and so we were trying to find a small town that we can kind of hunker down in and have the kids um, have a good school that supports the arts. And um, Green County Schools is really great with that. And the, I've, I've known about it for years because my aunt used to teach art here um, for Diane Kunzler. She was an art teacher here for years. And um, I grew up in Guthrie Center down the road. So I knew Jefferson fairly well but I also perform here a lot I used to perform here quite a bit and I I know a lot of the folks around this area and all the arts that they were trying to build it's still small enough to kind of have an impact if I were to move here and just be part of the scene and I loved I love it I was literally playing across the street and I, the building was open when I we were looking for places the building that is now my studio this building and I just pointed over on the microphone. I said, I think I want that building. And it, the, everyone was like, oh, we got to get this to happen. And it was really cool to have a whole team trying to recruit us and, and to help with the renovation and things like that. So it's been a really good move for us. It was a year ago. So I love it. All right. Dan Henderson, you're up. Hey, Chad, how you doing? It's good to see you. Good to see you, my friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was going to make the comment to, to Julie's uh, question about Iowa venues. And and uh, many years ago, we invited, or Chad just showed up in Washington, Iowa, some <laughs> house private party. and uh, But we have this little venue in Washington. It's an old factory building. And we've had Chad come back there. Oh, I don't know. What is it? Three, four, five times, many times. Yeah. yeah. But uh, one of the things, Chad, that you did what, when you were in Washington is you actually held a songwriting workshop. Mm -hmm. And I still remember that. And I wonder if you'd share a little bit about, don't do a workshop, but I mean, yeah. <laughs> the structure of how you approach that. Because if that's something you're going to do at the writer's workshop, then I, I'm really excited to Oh, to be yeah. a part of that again. That that would be for fun. Absolutely, yeah. I I go into different age groups or different um, ways of approaching it. Uh oh, Chad, we lost you. Wait a minute. Is the call frozen? <laughs> Sorry about that. Century Lake no is choosing to uh, 
fix their uh, lines today. So I'm now on my personal hotspot. I hope this works. Oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah. I, yeah. Are we, we're good? We're good. Go ahead. I apologize. Okay. Yeah. Cool. No worries. Yeah. So I, I there are certain rules to songwriting musically and um, lyrically that I kind of go through and I will probably approach that and we will usually walk away with a song just so I can show an example. I'm really, I think it's, I'm really big on showing how the process works instead of just talking about the process so we can kind of see it work in action. And if somebody's brave enough to share a song that they think they need help on or edited or just kind of get some ideas if they're stuck, then we'll go and we'll, we'll look at that. And um, there's lots of ways to kind of take a, something from a rough draft into this uh, really beautiful song. Um, so I, I like getting into the, getting my hands dirty when it comes to the writing songs. It's really, I can geek out about it all day long. <laughs> hey, hey, just a quick follow-up chat. How many songs have you written now? I've been trying to keep up, but how oh. many? It's over 2,000. I know that because I about 10 years ago, I knew I was over 1,500 and I write probably 100 a year. You know, I I write a lot and I, I usually go through at the end of the year and I organize all my Google files and I print them off. And I have it's the only thing in my life that I really organize <laughs> is, is my song list. And uh, I love looking back because when I go, I've got a little recording studio in this space that's just good for demo recording so i'm always recording i'm just to kind of have when i go into a, a real a larger studio i have a catalog of songs i can kind of pick and choose what i want to really um, focus on and so most of my albums are in the studio that are based off of rough drafts that i've kind of created along throughout the years so Chad, are they autobiographical when you write your songs or how are you inspired? Oh, all, all over the map there. I, I love writing story songs. I also, I, a lot of mine are autobiographical, but um, there are some that just catch phrases or somebody will say something to me on the street and I'll just hang on to that lyric and I'll kind of play with the idea behind it. Um there are yeah, it kind of runs the gamut. I, I like to listen to different genres of music too. So and write in different genres because um, I, I I think that kind of it, it can all be you know across the board. Any song I feel like I could turn it into whatever genre it wants to be. But I really want to explore anything, any dark corner that I haven't when it comes to my creativity. I like to kind of look in those corners and go, what have I missed? What what else can spark a little inspiration? And sometimes it just leans into different things that like uh, different song categories I normally wouldn't listen to. I'll go and listen to see if I'm inspired by that. Okay, Barry Pyatt is next. And then after Barry's question, I want to talk to you about house concerts and how that works. But Barry, right. go ahead, ask your question. Thank you. Uh, actually, I've got uh, two questions. Uh, through the benefit of longevity, we've been able to hear from Paul McCartney uh, a lot of his songwriting process. And my first question is, uh, do you recognize anything that that he's talking about in the process that he and John Lennon used to write their uh, music 
that is kind of universal that you use and that every, you know, most other songwriters do as well. And then my other question is Paul McCartney says that he, you know, he's one of the most prolific songwriters, you know, in the world and most successful. And he says he, he can't read music. And, and I'm thinking, how, how does that happen? You know, it's like being uh, an author and not knowing how to read. Uh, can you, can you explain that? Absolutely. Yes. Um, I personally can't read music very well. I, I can. I, it's a slow process for me to f- sit there and pick out um, anything on guitar that's by notes. Um, but I think that where popular music like the Beatles, um, they were able to right away take just a handful of chords and make beautiful melodies over top of that. And I think that's just something you can learn. Um, But I find that most of my friends who have been, who've studied music in school have learned, like, especially gone on and got their masters. They have learned that, Oh, I need to break away from that in order to explore this improvisational or writing world. Even Catherine who played with, who plays with me in the weary ramblers has talked about getting free from the page. (laughs) And I think that's important uh, as a musician is you, you learn a lot of those skills and everything. um, But eventually if you're going to try and use it for your own expression, unless you're a composer um, writing songs, especially for radio or for just the three or four minute song, it takes a different skill set. You'll still use a lot of the rules that apply to music theory and things like that sometimes without even knowing it. And I think that's where Paul talks about that is you might not know you're using very basic theory uh, rules, but it's just innate. It's ingrained in our brain, as we- especially Western civilization. In um, Eastern cultures, you'll get a whole different frame, different scales, different rhythms. And so you'll, you, you kind of go with what you're naturally grown in, uh, steeped in. And um, I think that as also, as far as a rules for writing, I think I went back to school for music uh, to learn more about music theory. And I learned that I was doing it a lot by ear. Um, the, a lot of the things that I was going on were just intuitive and I was going, well, Oh, that's a, that's a different, that's how that's, I learned the language of the rules of music through going to music theory courses and stuff. But I was learning that if I just trusted my ears and explored, I could get to really interesting things as a songwriter, different chord progressions up against others and, what sounded relative and what what wasn't um so i feel like that's what i've been doing all along as a self-taught guitarist is taking uh anything i can and and filtering it into what i need as a songwriter and that's why i'm able to write a lot is i'm just always trying to learn new things about music as well as writing so chad this this theory of mine may be wrong and I'm happy for you to challenge it, but I'm been obsessed with the decline of legacy media and the implosion of local newspapers and local stories being told. That was often the way that musicians would would become known is somebody would write a feature story about him or her. And um, we don't have that anymore. We do have the internet and that's another whole different way of of uh, reaching potential audiences. But 
it feels to me like we need to have your story told, everybody's story told who's 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 trying to make it in the in the music mm. building business because there's so much talent. But if we don't know about you, if we don't know about whoever, we won't know uh, what we're missing. So is that theory correct in your view or is it, does the internet make up for everything? The loss of local newspapers? Oh yeah, that's a double-edged sword, I think. Um, I remember the first time going and playing Chicago, I had a crowd of 10 people there based only because I shared it on my MySpace at the time. And they were like, oh, I, I graduated with this person. They're going to bring friends. Um, so that's been a really helpful thing as an independent artist traveling outside of the area. But as far as the local papers, I think that there is a soulful connection that we're missing um, as far as supporting the artists that are in our communities around here. I think that there are some that hold on to it still and are bastions for that creative um, thing, but also the creating a creative culture, keeping that going in different communities. I think it's, uh, we, it's sorely missed in a lot of ways. I feel like a lot of people will turn on the, the TV. I remember the voice coming out of that show change um, a lot of my performances that people would come up to me talking about these shows that they're watching on television saying oh you're every bit as good as that and i i'm often just kind of like well that's a compliment but also i'm going that's why there's only half the crowd is because they're watching the voice right now and they're comfort of their home and they're in um, watching the talent that's on the television and i'm finding that i've known several people on those shows that they were sometimes openers for me or sometimes just peers of mine. And they, they um, get on that show and they they're catapulted into this place that they can just go to different places and go, I'm going to play there. I'm going to play there. And so that's been a, a really good for, thing for them. But I find that it gives um, a lot of the working musicians out there and artists that are in our communities, they're seen as a second place to this, popularity thing where i think that the richness is really in the writing and the telling stories and the local arts and um i think i keep holding up greg brown as my example of that because he made it on to prairie home companion but he he also moved from he went to he was playing at gertie's folk city or folk uh city in new york city and then playing he lived in LA and was playing these folk clubs but he decided I, I need to go back to Iowa I need to go back to my roots and and it's been a really positive thing for artists like me to kind of see that and to say hey you know we can be these creatives and we can live right here in our home state of Iowa and really um, make it a rich place and I think the only it only could be helped by you know local press <laughs> for supporting that for sure. So I'm going to go to Marjorie in a second, but before we do that, talk about house concerts. How do they work? Do you still do them? Is it a good way to introduce new talent to an area? Absolutely. I, I even host them. Um, we're oh. going to be doing, we're going to be hosting them here at the art studio, but um, I've got, I, I think that house concerts are amazing um, I want to support clubs or um, establishments that are music venues also. 
Um, but I think that house concerts, when I see one on my tour schedule, I always know, okay, this is going to be a place where I can tell my stories and there's not some loud coffee grinder going off in the background and uh, disturbing kind of this flow. The performance can be just as creative as the writing process is developing a set list and trying to weave this ev event into a story itself. And if you get that broken up by a loud bar or things, it kind of throws you off your game. If you're trying to create a really cool environment like that, um, you, the, the house concert thing is um, if you haven't ever experienced one, it, you usually f have a host. They are kind of given a heads up. There's a 10 to $20 donation tip. It's like a suggested tip for the music musicians and the people will open up their homes and they, it's not like a house party. It's more of a, okay, you sit chairs in a concert style rows. You have 45 minute concert, take a break. And then you kind of encourage them to buy merch. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, but then you do another 45. And what happens is you're meeting these people and there's, um, you know, sometimes 50 people, sometimes 30 and you're getting a really good connection with that audience in this community that you might not have ever had. Um, and, and you can do that in the safety of somebody's home. That's everyone knows. And then when the next time you're through, if you want to play a venue in that town, some of those people that have bought your music, have heard your stories, they want that at that venue. So you're going to get a draw from those house concerts as well. But if I could, I, I know that a lot of musicians, that's their bread and butter. You just play house concerts and um, you can get, you know, if you're getting 50 people paying $20 a head, that's a really good night for a solo singer songwriter or even a duo. You know, it's a decent living if you're playing 100 shows, 200 shows a year. So you don't require the host have a minimum or, you know, that the the host come come up with 250 or 500 and then everything Some else? Of them. Yeah, it, sometimes it's good to have a, a guarantee. If we yeah. can reach this number, great. Um, but usually they they are experienced house concert um, hosts. If they're not, we walk them through the steps. There's certain things that you do. You you If you have good lighting, you know, or a good corner where it's just uh, set for kind of looks like a stage or um, yeah, I've played in all different homes, different places. Um, there's been some that have been the people were sitting on the floor a foot from my feet, like they were so small that they they have to sit on the floor. And that was like the Chicago house concert. And that was magic, too, because they're close up. It's really intimate. And um, everyone's there you know, as ex just for the experience, you know, so. you know, I'm, we're we're in a we're in a condo building with a nice big party room. And I was thinking there's no reason in the world why we couldn't do this once a month. And I'll bet you, the I, people would, I, <laughs> I bet you the people would love it. And um, so uh, we'll, we'll talk about that offline, but get, get all the folks that are coming to the writer's retreat, Marjorie, go ahead. Tell us, uh, tell us what your question is. Hi, Marjorie. Oh, hi, Chad. How are you today? Good. good. <laughs> so, um, so I have seen Chad many times and um, I want to share with, with the group what I've seen him do. For example, one night at Byron's, he did a painting while another group performed musically. Then 
he also performed musically. I mean, he completed this painting in about the three or four hour uh, time frame. That was really exciting to see somebody do and uh, do the painting that he does. And I want to share, if I can get myself out of the chair, I don't know how to <laughs> camera around, but he just delivered this painting to me last Monday. He does, whoops, let me see. How, how can I get that right? Awesome. Um, little to the there, right. And up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, there we go. Something like that. Well, anyway, he, I needed this space filled and, and I needed his painting in it. And he just does a fabulous job. So that's, um, that's one of the many talents, but, but to see, um, to see him paint. And then also I wanted to say, uh, I've been to a, a couple house concerts that's, that he's done. One of them, there were 14 people. So, um, it was it was actually outdoors, uh, and he and and Catherine played uh, in front of a garage at at a farm over by Madrid. It was fabulous. I mean, and but the best thing of all about Chad is, and I encourage all of you to go because uh, the listening is is wonderful, and what he does with almost everything he plays, as well as Catherine does. There is a story. There's oh. a story. And he's written that story and he knows the story. I never get tired of hearing the stories about the songs. And I don't think other people do either because he has a total repeat, repeat, repeat audience. And <laughs> it's so easy to tell people, oh, he's in Wisconsin. I think I sent a friend to the concert over the weekend where you were, Jim. A uh, friend of mine went mm. went to see Chad up in Wisconsin, and and you know it's just I really encourage people to go and see a concert like this because many of you look to be my age and you're used to going to bars where they're noisy and and Chad and Catherine they don't insist that be quiet they don't say anything but people are just quiet they want to listen. Mm -hmm. And they drink their wine quietly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank so, you, Marjorie. Yes, good to Thank see you. you. By the way, I love your love your shirt, Marjorie. Oh yeah, I know. I wore it for you today. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, know, you Marjorie. Chad, uh, we had the opportunity to be on a call last week with the other musicians, all but two of them, who are going to be with us in Okaboji. And it was so exciting as, as as you all started brainstorming about, well, we could do a jam session here. We could do this here. We could do workshops there. And what I didn't realize at the time is you're, you've, you've been to the Spencer area quite a bit. You've been to the Okaboji area quite a bit. I see Mary Skopek is on the call, who's the yeah. executive director of Lakeside Labs. She's a big fan too. So have you thought any more since our call the other night about, how we can, how, the workshops we put in and how we do this, how we structure the two and a half days we're together? Um, well, having not gone there before, I'm not sure what the, how to change it or how it'll change at all. But um, I think that if we're to look at the songwriting aspect, I think like I, I think having a 
workshop on the business of being a writer would be great. I know also the children's aspect that we are talking about, I know there's a lot of interest in that, not just the children's songs, but children's writing books and the picture books and things like that. Um, I think you got a good cast there um, with uh, what's a uh, gentleman from Dust. Yeah. Justin. Uh, I remember listening to him on Sirius FM, like, uh, when I had my little, my kids were little, or we'd put on the kids program and his name popped up. So you've got a great a mentor right there for people um, as well. And I I think that creating an environment where um, if you want to get dirty with your songs and really get into it, you can really get into the aspects of the writing, the lyrics and the, the theory behind music. If you know enough about chords and, and things like that, if you play your instrument, if you're just doing a lyrics um, based thing, you probably get a lot of people there. Um, if there's like a, just you're writing a song lyric, you're doing, you don't have to have music ability at all. You, and there's a people that make good living in Nashville, just doing lyrics. And I think that would be a really good cross the board. Anybody that wants just to understand how to write song lyrics would be, um, that would be a good class. Um, but I, I've, as far as the, campfire thing on Sunday, maybe doing something on the Monday um, where there's a songwriter around with the people, the, the teachers would be, I would love to watch that as well as the, we talked about doing a little poetry and prose between, I think that'd be great. Yeah. And then the big bash maybe would be cool as well. So well, Mary, and I, Mary and I were talking about, you know, doing something intimate for the participants of the, of the workshop on Monday night at the art center, and then blowing it up to the community at the roof garden the next night after you guys have all yeah. kind of gelled and maybe you figure like out that. some of the participants that are, you know, ready to, ready to go live and with, with what they've written and just kind of make a, but it's not my world. I'm counting on you guys to say, oh, that's a dumb idea. So. <laughs> well, I think we'll have um, a good, with uh, with Tom Bedell there kind of leading the charge as well. Um, as Well, Jason Wallsmith would be great. He's got great ideas with um, how these things work because he's been doing it for so long as well. And um, yeah, we've got a good team. You've got lined up, Julie. <laughs> I, I, I can't tell you how excited I am. And Carol Montag, I think that's Carol on the call here, but she has a question. If it's not Carol Montag, it's somebody named Carol. Do you do yeah. your own bookings or do you have a booking agent? Right now we're kind of a team of booking because a lot of the stuff, um, my wife, Alyssa, runs home fire booking and she kind of lines up and organizes the calendar as well as handles people like handing out business cards. They'll call her, not me. I'm not really good at staying on that, but I'm really um, good at kind of catching them when they're at my gig saying here, call, you know, or um, they'll reach out to me personally. Um, and then also with the weary ramblers, Catherine's been doing a lot of booking as well. So we've kind of got, a lot of people trying to do we are looking for the next level of booking if we can get it so we're just trying to get into some venues that we're not able to get into right now just because sometimes having a, a label having a a booking made manager that has worked with a lot of these established venues already 
their word is good. They don't even have to hear our music if it's a certain booking agent. So that's that next level that you'd like to get into. (laughs) You know, I, I have this vision and I don't know, you know, how realistic it is, but it's based on something I experienced when we were in the Bahamas a few years ago, we were in Hopetown Harbor, which is this elbow key is this little tiny spit of an Island in the Bahamas cruise ships can't get in there. It's, it's just ideal. And there's a certain time in February where it's traditionally colder than the rest of the season. So hotels are vacant and restaurants aren't doing as well. And some Nashville songwriters came to one of the restaurateurs and said, Hey, if you put us up and feed us, we'll, I'll bring you some songwriters and we'll just go to the various restaurants on on the Island and, and uh, we'll perform. Just put us up. Well, that's good. <laughs> and now you can't get a room in in Hopetown during that week that the Nashville songwriters are there. It's become that popular. People come specific. They, they don't care if it's colder because they want to hear the Nashville songwriters. But I can't help but think, you know, I don't know if it's the Okaboji songwriters or whatever it's oh. called. I can't help but think if they're if that we if that we can do more collaborating and more conversations around the campfire and how do we how, who does this well and who does this well and how, let's pull together and get a booking agent or whatever do you think do you think there's potential if there's more collaboration that that we could grow together or you could grow together oh absolutely yeah i think that that's the prime place for doing it as right when the the season starts ending. They think the season starts ending, but really, if we could turn that into the next season for Okaboji, that'd be amazing. Honestly, with people go, oh, there's like a whole music thing that happens once this settles down. <laughs> that'd be really great. <laughs> I I went to Okaboji as a kid. My parents didn't have a place up there, but we would rent something for a week. But it's always it's always been a nostalgic touchstone for me. And now that we're there more often, and I see the amount of investment that has gone into the infrastructure there, from the art center to the Arnold's Park to all over the place, it's so beautiful. And in September, everybody's gone. Where are you? This is the best time (laughs) of year to be in Okaboji. And I I can't help but think maybe together, and and I see Mary Skopex and Bridget Bridget Johnson was on the call a little bit ago. She, I don't know if you've been to the Oakwood Inn there, but it is. Have you been there to the Oakwood Inn? Yeah. Yep, sure have. I, yeah. I think we got to have house concerts there in the pavilion. Oh, okay. and wouldn't that be Wouldn't that be ideal? Yes, so, <laughs> Mary Skopek, I'm going to call on you. I see you're there. Hello. I'm lurking. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Lurking. What are you thinking? Well, I mean, Chad did a house concert at Lakeside a couple of years ago, and of course it was phenomenal. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I'm just excited to have all these amazing, talented people come together. And I would love to see people that have written great poetry um, collaborate and have it put to music and, you know, I think just come out of their shell. Um, and as we see with some of the written um, some of the spoken word poetry we've had, it's been very powerful. Um, boy, I think there's some just really magical things that could come up and, and September is beautiful here. In fact, it's mm-hmm. actually still beautiful here. We don't have any snow. 
Um, but uh, <laughs> September is gorgeous, and I would love to have the the vast filled with with music and and collaboration. So um, we'll make it. We'll make spots available for people to to just get together and see see what happens. It's wonderful. <laughs> it really is. Thank you, Mary. So, Chad, if you could wave a magic wand, I, I throw out magic wands a lot, and you <laughs> could poof and have Iowa be your vision of what it could be for the arts, what would what would it look like? What needs to happen? Mm, that's a great question. I feel like that's what uh, called me back from living in California was the idea of Iowa being this rich, fertile soil that... Um, Writers are uh, elevated. I, I think that the Iowa Writers Program obviously has always uh, been have a lot of clout, but I really want Iowa to be seen from the outside world as not just this flyover state when it comes to touring and music. And um, people often don't even think of Iowa on their tours. I've and they're some of my favorite artists, and I think that that requires a culture of um, venues that want to listen to music, first of all, but also that hold up songwriters instead of bands, um, holding up write, the writing aspect of all of that. There a lot of the venues um, in Iowa used to be just for bands and the blues, and I love blues, and I love playing in my band, but there, there was something that um, I learned from my first concert was people want to hear stories. Number one, and that is what connects people to the music, not not just good songs, but the little literally knowing the background of the song, how someone writes that. And I was I, my first concert was in Spencer, Iowa, I, when I worked at the Arts, Arts on Grand there. And um, it was my first ever. And I remember the entire time I, I played all of um originals with my wife at the time we were both songwriters and we just told stories between the songs and it became this idea of like this entire this is what i want my entire career to be about is connecting people to a story because i've i find that that the story aspect is just as compelling as the writing of the song and i'm often driving thinking how how can i weave this song into people's hearts and minds tonight like, and I'll try and come up with an idea that connects them in my past, or if it's uh, something that I've heard about, um, and I will try and tie that in. So that creative culture happens when there, it's um, not just one city or only in the urban areas, but these little rural areas and little pockets and um, supporting those would be my magic wand would be say like all the little venues in little towns, um, have that one spot like in Washington has Mills Seed Company, like has that one spot that everyone knows. Oh, if you want a soul engaging writing and experience with music tonight, that's where you go. And if that would be every little town has one of those would be amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, I'm a, at this stage of life at age 73, my mission and purpose is all about doing whatever I can to help people tell their stories. There's a story in everyone. That's why your mom probably said, Chad, you got to come. These are your people. Well, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are definitely in sync on that. And of course, 
something that's not been spoken about yet on this call, and we don't have much time to go down this rabbit hole, but there are a lot of people leaving Iowa because of the political climate, books mm -hmm. being banned, and uh, LGBTQ people not feeling comfortable, certainly in the schools. Can songs help? Can people writing their songs about their lives and sharing their truths help? Absolutely. I think that is the root of everything is be when you are writing, you are also empathizing. And with empathy, you create an accepting and loving community. And I think that that's the root of creating art, music is you're empathizing in some way, trying to connect with others um, through community communication, whether it be music, art, or anything, that's empathy to me. And I know that um, in order to connect uh, to an audience, you must be able to feel what they're feeling. And with that, I think that creates a culture that is accepting of others and accepting to ideas and beliefs. And um, that's a beautiful thing. And I, I think that if nothing else, arts is a sol the solution, uh, one of the solutions, if not the solution. <laughs> but. By the way, uh, one of the other uh, people who are coming to the Okoboji Writers Retreat is a speaker just top on the call. Abana, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but if you're so inclined to mm -hmm. uh, come on uh, come on video and say hello to Chad and everybody in the group, love to have you. But if you don't feel like it, I understand that as well. Mm -hmm. Very much looking forward to seeing you at the Okoboji Writers Retreat. Our time is just about up. And Chad, what we do at this stage, at the end of uh, uh, the podcast is break into breakout rooms because one of the downsides of technology is you see everybody by Zoom, but you don't have that human interaction and casual conversations. So we do breakout rooms. And uh, you are welcome to participate. I know you have have paintings to paint and songs to write, <laughs> but uh, you're welcome to, to to hang around for a little bit. But thank, thank you so much. And thank you for participating in the retreat next year. We are going to have a total blast. Well, I'm honored, Julie. And thank you for everything you do. I really appreciate the connection there. Absolutely. Okay, we're going into breakout rooms. Here we go. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> Bye. Thank you.